Hello and welcome back to another episode of Girlfriend Let Me Tell You the Podcast, the podcast for the single black mother, where each week I will discuss situations and experiences that single black mothers can relate to, or I will bring you topics that I feel like all single black mothers should be aware of. I'm your host, Latasha Ingram. Let's get into it. Well, this is Taryn Stubbs with Girlfriend Let Me Tell You Podcast. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Oh my goodness, girlfriend. All right, y'all. Thank you so very much for listening in today. It is me, Latasha Ingram with Girlfriend Let Me Tell You, the podcast. And I have to let y'all know that I'm so appreciative that you decided to tune in to season two of my podcast. That's right. Your girl made it to the second season and it has been a year since my first episode aired. So woohoo to my first podcast anniversary. Today, I have a very special guest. This is the first guest of season two of the podcast. And y'all, I invited a grown man to come and be on this podcast. I have Taryn, oh, that's Stubbs, Stubbs on the show today. And I just want to give y'all a little bit of his background. So he does live in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a college graduate, a production manager, a community activist, and also a party host by night. And y'all, he is a member of the Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. Yes, y'all. Yes, he is. So I decided to invite Taryn to be on the podcast with me because we do have a few similarities, but a lot of differences whenever it comes to being single parents. And so one of the things that's different for us is um, Stubbs, which is what he goes by. Stubbs was actually married before. I was never married to my son's father and we never had a relationship. So that is one of the things that is different for us. And then something else that is different for us is that he gave his children a two parent household. See, my son's dad and I weren't in a relationship. We were never married, but we also never lived together neither. So that's two things that Stubbs gave his children that I did not give mine. Okay. Whenever we talk about the similarities, Stubbs, of course, is a single father. He does have boys and I have one boy. So that's another similarity that we have. But also his father wasn't there when he was growing up. My dad was not there when I was growing up neither. So that's one thing, one of the things that we have in common, which I thought would be um, a great perspective to hear him tell about him growing up without a father in his life at all. We're not talking about his mom and dad co-parenting. We're talking about just mama was there. Okay. So I just want to let y'all know that I had to let this man know that I was appreciative and honored to have him on the show today. I plan to have more men on the show in the future to cover more topics. And I will also have more guests period during this second season of the podcast. Thank y'all so very much for rocking with me that first year. If you like the first season, season two is going to be even better. Y'all, I am growing and I am perfecting my craft. So please continue to stick with me. Leave any comments that you want to leave. Leave any messages that you want to leave. You can go to my website and subscribe to be on my email list where I send a weekly email to everyone who is on my subscription list. So thank you so very much for tuning in today. Let's go. So 
to everyone that is listening, today's episode is um, to give everyone a firsthand look at what being a single father is. So even though you are a single father, you're more than that. So would you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Taylor Stubbs. I am a single father of two. Uh, my oldest son, Sincere Lamar, and my youngest son, Noah Lamar. Uh, the ages are nine and five, and, um, you know, that's my first priority. Other than that, I'm a, a long, long years ago, you know, college graduate. Um, I am a production manager uh, for a company uh, here in Charlotte. Um, I do that by day. Um, I'm community activist, uh, especially back home in my hometown. Um, when it comes to um, especially black folks in my community um, and people of color. And uh, by night, if you catch me on a good night, I'm a party host. So, uh, you know, I'm getting a party in the club shaking at nighttime uh, when I'm free to do that. Okay. I had seen on Facebook where you took a picture with, oh, um, mm, Ray. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and absolutely. I know you were talking about being a, yes. a, a host, a party host, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How did so, you get into that? Uh, it, was, it, it goes straight into uh, what we talk about today, right? So, um, you know, being a, recently divorced during that time um, and, you know, Ever since my, ever since I cut the umbilical cord off, uh, both of my boys, um, I was there. So coming home from work, seeing Pepper Pig on TV, you know, uh, walking through the house, stepping on toys, and hearing crying and hearing bangs or one of those annoying toys singing in the background. Uh, I was used to that ever since my my boys into uh, uh, this world. Um, once their mother and I uh, decided like, hey, you know, our relationship isn't as strong as it needs to be to make this a 70, 80 year old type couple right. type thing. Right. Um, we had to make some some hard decisions. Um, and I knew it was going to be extremely hard on me uh, just from my background, like my real father wasn't there. And I remember uh, when my first son was born, I was like, I never leave you, never leave your side. And um, I said the same thing to Noah. I never leave your side. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be with you forever. Um, you know, life has a funny way of, of kind of uh, guiding your paths uh, in a way that you probably don't don't realize or think. So um, I knew I was going to have a difficult time with them not being here. And mm -hmm. her support group is uh, out of the state. So um 500 some odd miles away a six hour drive I knew that she would probably head that way uh and the boys will be there with her and uh I think that part really bothered me the most um and so how I got into party hosting was uh when I moved out of our home uh she had already moved uh out of state and I moved out of our home because I just couldn't walk past the right you know, the kids room and then them not being there. So I got an apartment uh, and I'm a part of one of the greatest fraternities in the world's Cap Alpha Psi. Yes. And uh, my, uh, my line brother, uh, he's a DJ, a big time DJ here in Charlotte. And he tried to get me out for months. Right. And I'm like, no, no, 
I'm not going out. I was just sitting in the house, in the dark house, watching Netflix and oh, documentaries wow. and stuff like that because I was really going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, no, no, come out and pick you up. And I went out one time and it's like, all right, this is this is all right. Right. And then the, I guess the following weekend, he gave me a call and said, hey, man, everybody's asking about you. I was like, man, nah, I'm not showing up. And then the next time he said, yo, everybody's asking about you. Where you at? I was like, no, nah, man, I'm cool. I'm chilling. And uh, the third time he was like, hey, I'm just going to come pick you up. And uh, when he came to pick me up and when I walked inside, a lot of people was like, yo, Stubbs, what's up, man? What's going on? Where you been? And uh, during that time, I needed that. And right. uh, so after that, I just started reposting uh, where he was going to DJ at. And um, I had a little following. So the crowds got bigger and bigger. And he was like, yo, we're going to put you on a ticket. Like, we get, need to make some money out of this. And I was like, man, listen. I make good money on my day job. I'm not a promoter. You know, I heard all kind of bad stereotypes against you guys on the nightlife. And I'm not one of those guys. And they <laughs> said, listen, we want to put you on the flyer where you like it or not. So you might as well come up with a name for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Right. And they named all these cheesy stuff like pay stubs and check stubs. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like neither one of those. And, um, my my party promotion name is Old That Stubbs. And the Old That Stubbs comes from like when I was out and um, I was hit and miss and going to different, a lot of different clubs. But um, my my best friend, my line brother, he always kept talking about, yo, my boy Stubbs is coming out. My boy Stubbs <laughs> is coming out. And when I meet people, uh, they were like, oh, that's Stubbs. Oh, that's Stubbs. Oh, that's Stubbs. So I was like, yeah, we'll just go with that. And um so at first it became, um, it's a very dangerous thing, right? Because when you're going through some of the toughest time in, in your life, you you don't want to get connected with something, right? Because that could mm-hmm. be a stage, right? You right. don't want to start drinking, right? You don't want to, you know, start doing drugs or, or getting yourself in bad habits because you're in a dark place, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, with that, it wasn't too bad. Right. It was it was fun. It was exciting. Um, And I was going through my dark place with that. And then I just overcame that. Right. I overcame that darkness and that depression and kind of got more settled in how my life was becoming and what it was molding to be. And to now is more fun and and business. And um, speaking of Ray, when I saw the young man uh, from my hometown, and his eyes get so excited about promoting parties and, and uh, you know, wanted to really just do something different. And I was like, you know, with me being a community activist, what type of man am I to have all these uh, inside tricks and trades of the market and don't help a young brother who came from the same place I came from? Mm-hmm. If something happens to me, majority of his family is going to be at the funeral his mom was going to bring some chicken over to my mama's house, right? Like, how can I not help this young man into getting closer to what he feels his dream is? Um, And so um, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, man, let's work. Let's make something happen. And uh, so we've been rocking ever since. And he's, he's loving it. We have conference calls. We have business calls. We have marketing conversations. We have, sales conversations and and uh it's if if it's anything it's something i'm able to kind of give back to a young man who grew up in the same environments that i did saw some of the same things that i did and and try to work with 
for sure. That's so that's good. how I became a party promoter. Okay. And I appreciate yeah. you for doing that too, because a lot of people, um, I, I know some people will come back home and try to do things when it doesn't work. They'll just go and just forget right. about little old us down here. Right. <laughs> and um, it's good to have somebody to come back and say, hey, let, let me yeah. let me just show you something. That's, yeah. that's always good. Um, and there are some people who were good about that. One thing that I noticed is uh, um, just for me, <laughs> trying to talk to people, Right. There's not, I don't, I think something that we need here is uh, more networking skills. Absolutely. Because we're either we're afraid to talk to people or people are afraid to talk to us or we're afraid right. to, you know, like there's so many resources out there that we don't have that somebody we know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like right. we it's, can help each other out a little more. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's a, um, you know, us good old country folks, you know, we work hard and we're super prideful and we're very, very sensitive about our work and, and what our dreams and aspirations are. And sometimes we can get too sensitive to the fact that we're timid or afraid to ask someone else about their information because we're scared that they're going to shoot it down, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so we just get to a point where we just make the same mistakes that the, my brother beside me made. And that's why we're in the same position, right? Because yeah. we both failed at that spot. He could at least told me, hey, don't do that. And yeah. I went the other way and at least got one level higher than what he did. And then the next person could get one level higher than I did, right? But yeah. we, we kind of seem to to lose that in in our community, not just in our small town, but in the Black community in general. Um, don't want to get too far off topic, but one of the special things that I do, I promise you, I do this if I'm at a local bar, if I'm at a ball game and I see uh, an older black gentleman, right? I'm talking about in their 50s and 60s and and I see them because I'm an observer, so I observe people. I'm very weird. Mm-hmm. I go to places. I just look at people, right? And and I see him and I see that his mannerism, um, I am not shame at all to go to him. And I ask him one simple question. Mm-hmm. And it really changed my life. And that one simple question is, hey, you know, I'm, I'm 34 now. Hey, what would you tell your 34-year-old self? That's my question I asked him. And I have asked over 50 Black men that question. And uh, you'll be amazed at some of the answers I got. Um, and a lot of them are super heartfelt. Uh, because age and, and youth is something that you don't get back. And it's something that's like, man, I wish somebody would have asked me that. I wish I would have asked somebody that. Probably would have right. decided to go some different routes. But uh, if if we learn how to do that in our Black community and that's going to people and people being honest and truthful about their life experiences and for them to be like, all right, well, one of, one of the, the biggest things I ever got from, from a gentleman was to be happy. He said, I don't care what it is. He said, if, if I was able to tell, I was 33 at the time when I asked. He said, if I was able to tell my 33-year-old self something, I would tell him, I would look him in his face and his eyes, and I would say, be happy at all costs. And I was like, whoa. Right? Out of all the stuff in the world, like, hey, don't take that business decision, or hey, put some money in this stock, or hey, do this. Like, out of all that in the world, you would tell your 33-year-old self to be happy whoa like let me take that <laughs> let yeah. me take that I need that right but uh but yeah 
two things I want to say about what you just said. One is, it's funny that you, um, <laughs> it's funny that you're saying um, that somebody told you to be happy. Today, I had a conversation with myself. I have a yeah. lot of conversations with myself. So let me back up. That's you said that. Yes. And I'm going to tell you why. You said whenever you see an older man, you ask, what would you tell your 34-year-old self? So that's your thing. When you see them, that's yeah. what you say. Yeah. Something that I told myself a few years ago was, because <clears throat> my dream, like I told you, going to Essence. I want right. to be a celebrity. I want right. to walk up to them and talk to them. But something I realized a few years ago is, what in the world would I say? Hey, I'm right. Latasha Ingram from Canada, North Carolina. Right, right, like, right, right. Who the heck wants to hear that, you know? Right, right, right. So right. I've always tried to think of this 30-second commercial yeah. that I would give people when I see them. And then yeah. I was looking at an interview just today of Regina King. She was on the podcast. Well, I don't know if it's a podcast, but the stage talking to Issa Rae. And one of the people in the audience asked, what is some networking tips that you would give people? And one thing she said was, if you're trying to go up to a celebrity because you see them in the streets or you see them leaving a club or something and you try to rush up to them and say something, we don't have time to hear your story. Like we're, we're living right now. And right, so I was right. like, shucks, does that mean I need to break my 30 second commercial down to 15 yeah. seconds? Absolutely. Either way, whatever I'm gonna say, I have to have my yeah. words ready because they're Absolutely. not gonna sit there and wait for me to stammer over my words. So you saying that makes me think now I don't need to walk up and just be talking about me. I need to make them say something about themselves just to get the conversation going. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one. The second thing I was going to say was um, you said be happy. So I was having a conversation with myself with this yeah. imaginary celebrity just yeah. today because I watched the, um, the interview with Regina King. Right. And one thing I was thinking was, what if somebody asked me what makes me happy? Yeah. And I already had that in my head. Like these right. five things make me happy. But as you get, I don't want to say older, but as right. you mature, things that yeah. make you happy change. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. I need to keep practicing that on my own. Like, sure. yeah, I'm happy. Well, what makes right. you happy? People right. don't know what makes them happy. They yeah. don't know what they like. They don't yeah. know their dislikes. They don't know yeah. what they want to do when they get, they don't know what they want to do in the next 24 hours. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a problem. And there yeah. aren't enough people. They always want to talk to somebody, but they don't yeah. know how to talk to themselves. Absolutely. Like, what would you say to yourself in the mirror other Absolutely. than just affirmations? You know, affirmations are good. I'm mm -hmm. not an affirmation type person. Right, right. Affirmations are good for some people. Is, right. You know, people have their different things. Right. But right. even when you're in the mirror, are you lying to yourself? Yeah. About like what who, makes yeah. you happy? Yeah. Who are you? Like what what makes you unconditional happy? Right. And that's a hard question, especially in today's society. We're all over the place. We're mm -hmm. doing a thousand things at one time. Right. Like and those thousand things, nine hundred and ninety nine of them are for somebody else. Hello. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when you when you're so caught up in working for someone else or or going shopping for someone else, or going to grocery shopping for someone else, or taking someone else here, and picking someone else here, or reminding someone else to do this, right? When are you taking time for yourself? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you're by yourself. And uh, that's, that's pretty much the, the gist of it. Like, you know, know yourself more than you know anybody else, because nobody will be able to bring you down if you know yourself. Right. So um, the elevator speech, 
is, is going to be great. Um, you know, elevators with like 15 seconds or less. Depends on which floor you're going to, but it's around 15 seconds. Yeah. And you want to make and people love to talk about themselves. So, you know, hey, tell me about you, you know, and, and I know that you got it because I mean, that's you got a passion for it. I never seen nobody who has a passion for anything fail. Like if you truly have a passion for whatever that you have, I've never seen nobody fail with a true passion mm-hmm. ever, ever. So keep that up and everything's going to be ready. You'll go up there and get all kind of drops for you. So Thank you. it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to know the scary thing is though, if you would ask a thousand people, are they a good person? Probably a thousand people will say yes. Mm-hmm. That's scary, right? It's yeah. amazing how everybody in this world is a good person, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's I think it's amazing that that general question there, everybody will be like, yeah, I'm a good person. But I think they will say that because it's easier to talk about the good things that you do and, and, and come to face with the good things that you do instead of coming face to face with the things that you need to grow on. Mm. It's like going to the gym, right? It's like if I don't go to the gym, I don't do some workouts that I'm comfortable with and that my body won't be too sore in the morning for, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm good up here. Let me go ahead and do this up here because it's a good workout, right? But if I'm doing some squats that I don't like to do, but I know it's good for me, right? In the morning, I'm going to hurt. And a lot of people don't like to dig deep for their hurt so they don't never grow, right? So, you know, a lot of people will shade behind and hide behind the small good things that they do yeah. to try to overcompensate some of the things that they need to work on because nobody really wants to work, but mm-hmm. successful people, successful people want to work. That's true. And they don't only, you know, they don't only work on other things, but they work on themselves. And so uh, that relates. And, and like you said, you don't know how it's going to relate, but that relates to, um relationships right that relates to relationships like uh when a relationship goes bad everybody oh that person was so bad oh my god Mm -hmm. he never understood she never understood it was his fault this and that and all this but how many times do you take a look in the mirror and been like you know what he or she told me since two years ago that i need to change about how i respond when i'm talking to him or her in tough situations Told me this two years ago. Did I progress for it? No, because this is who I am. So sooner or later, <laughs> yeah. So so sooner or later, if this person decides to leave me the hell alone because of the way that I respond back to them, they're not a bad person for that. That's just a either a that's just who I am and that's who they are, or b I wasn't willing to work on that to make it better. Mm-hmm. It's even one of the two, right? But. Every time in a relationship is, I mean, every person I ever ran into besides myself, I will be the first to say that when it comes to the relationship between my ex-wife and I, it wasn't all her fault. Mm -hmm. Um, I will be the first to say my 25-year-old self was totally different than my 33-year-old self, right? I'll be the first to say that when I turned 30, the way that I view life and my new responsibilities and things like that changed. And then I didn't know why it would change. And I guess because I saw people die around me. I saw my kids grow around me. I saw my career got to get shaping up. And that's more pressure on me. So I was not the same person 
that they probably met or probably had aspirations to be with. And I changed. Now, is that change bad? Maybe for the relationship because we didn't change together. Right. But when it comes to as an individual, I think that was some of the best things I ever did in my life. Right. And so when someone says, hey, what happened between you and your ex-wife? Uh, we both played a part. There was no infidelity. There was no violence. There was no, you know, verbal abuse. There was none of that. It was, I went one way, she was going the other, and we was getting older. Okay. I like that. Um, okay, so <clears throat> your, um, your ex-wife, she still doesn't live here? No, no, no. Uh, she still stays in Maryland. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is um, what is you and her relationship like now as far as communication and making yeah. decisions for the children? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm raw and blunt, and she knows this as well. Uh, it started off super rocky, right? And it started off super rocky because of, you know, we was both having a life-changing situation, right? We've been together for a long time. We ended up getting married. We had a wonderful wedding. People came out, ate cake, and all of a sudden, we're not together anymore, right? So, mm -hmm. of course, the emotion aspect of things plays its part. Um, I kind of felt like I was right. She felt like she was right. And so when you got two people that feel like they're 100% right about something, it's, it's hard to find that common ground, right? <laughs> Um, and it got super shaky probably a year after the separation um, when uh, she filed for child support, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Wow. So, and I'll be honest with you, I, I doubt I will ever forgive her for that, right? Oh, no. uh, I think she kind of knows that, right? But probably don't because, you know, individuals are who they are, you, you know what I mean? And, and they have reasons for what they do, right? What they do, right? yeah. Uh, and that took me a long time to be able to say that, right? To give her excuse of why she would do it. But at the first beginning, um, I knew it takes money to raise kids, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, even though the separation and, and she went to Maryland. Now, she went to Maryland before we even separated. Um, a little backstory, because I think it's good for your listeners to, to kind of to understand it wasn't a wake up one morning she went to Maryland I stayed here in North Carolina and why didn't I go with my kids right mm -hmm. so the the backstory is that she didn't like her job here in Charlotte right the manager was really getting on her she applied for different roles wasn't getting it uh but she loved the company that she worked for um so she kept applying kept getting denied uh they kept saying that she needed some type of training or what have you uh during that time me and her relationship wasn't doing well at all uh, you know, we took some counseling and, you know, cause I wanted to make sure that I did everything possible to make sure that if my kids ask me later, Hey, did you guys fight for this? Right. I can be like, yeah, right. We fought for it, right. So the counseling, the sitting down, it went from trying to verbally talk to you, went from writing down letters. It went from not having communication with you, whatever that I kind of felt that hopefully it got to you, you know, would get to you. Like, wait a minute, let me ask you this. Yeah. During the time, because you said that this was before y'all separated, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah. what was the, were either of you thinking of separation? No. So 
no, no. I think during that time we we had some tough times, right? And we went to counsel and tried to make it better. But during that time when she applied for the role, the only thing I was thinking about was how am I going to support my wife, right? It's like because in 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 our counseling ceremony, right, uh, with the male and, and female, um, they asked, "Hey, what was the issues?" Right? Um, Does he show signs of infidelity? She was like, "No." Does he physically and verbally abuse you? No. Like, is he is he supportive? Yes. Then what's the issue, right? And her mm-hmm. issue that she discussed was um, that she wasn't happy at work, right? And she brought it home, right? Okay. So I instantly got a little upset to me and my gut because I deal with folks all day. But when I lift up that garage and I walk in my home, I, I threw that out the window. But I had to understand something. I had to understand, but that's how I deal with situations, right? So I can't expect for you to deal with situations the same way that I did, right? So with me, I just had to be a supportive husband. So when I saw uh, that she applied, she told me that she was going to apply. I was like, oh, yeah, go ahead, right? And I knew right then and there she was going to get it. I just knew it. I was like, oh, man, she's going to get the job. So heaven forbid, she got it. Uh, So she got it. She sat down. We sat down at the kitchen table. She was like, hey, you know, my first cousins, they own a daycare up there. Uh, During this time, we're paying $2,000 a month for child care. So um, her and I came up with an agreement that she'll be working up there for six months, right? Until you be able to get the training that you need. And then you apply for jobs after your fourth, your fourth month back down here. And okay. rather, okay. and rather That's you get it. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what was the right. plan? Yeah. Was she going to get the yeah. job and go to Maryland and you Absolutely. were going to go too? Right, right. So, no, the plan was she'd go to, to Maryland, get the experience that, that the places down here in Charlotte say that she needed for the departments, but didn't have any openings for her to get that knowledge, right? Okay. And then after the six months, whether you got the job in this department or not, I need you to come back here because we need to work on our marriage, right? Okay. We have a home here. We have a foundation here. Everything is here. I want to be a supportive husband for you. So I don't like it. I don't like it because now, you know, you're taking my kids up there. Yes, it's going to be beneficial <laughs> when it comes to credit cards and saving money because your cousin's not going to charge us that amount. And yes, you are getting your experience when it comes to your work but I don't like it because our family's not together. But as a husband, I got to support you in your career goals. Right. So that was my first thought. My second thought in the back of my mind was, Taryn, if you tell her not to take the job and y'all don't work out, she'll forever blame you for her career opportunities. Mm, Right? So I said, okay. Right. So she goes to Maryland and during this time, every other week I was either traveling to Maryland or she was traveling back down here. Um, this is a very key part of the story. Um, every time that I went to Maryland, the first people at the door is my boys. First, they're knocking at the door. As soon as I pull up, I, I think somebody said, your dad's outside. They come to the door. They super excited. See me as soon as I walk in, I grab them, right? So this mm-hmm. is a very key part of, of the story. And so time continues uh, after two months. Oh, my God, I love my job. These people are so great, right? I'm like, all right, yeah, cool, great. You know, we're still arguing here and there. The distance didn't make it any better, right? Fourth month, you know, hey, what's going on? Have you heard anything? You know, hey, yeah, I love it here. All right, right, cool. Um, The fifth month, uh, 
my grandmother passed and that played a big part on me. Right. And, uh, we was dealing with some stuff, with some stuff. And, uh, uh, she died the day before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so what we originally planned, cause we wasn't, we wasn't sent out. We originally planned that she'd be down here, uh, on black Friday. I had the boys during the time because they was out during break. So I had picked the boys up. They was with me. And the plan was that she'd be back. She'd be here on black Friday, which was that Monday when we talked, but my grandmother died on the Wednesday and uh, she knew how close we were or what have you. So uh, I gave her a call to let her know that my grandmother had passed. So in my mind, right, I'm thinking that she's in the car and she's right. on the way here to be supportive of her husband. And, you know, it's tough. Right. But I get a phone call later on that day and she stated that, um, hey, uh, I don't want to be out there on the traffic all day. You know, I'm going to stick to the plan and I'll be there on Friday. That didn't that didn't go well on me. And it's not her fault. Right. It's not. Not her fault. I would wanted her to be there. Um, but some people, that's just who they are, right? And so I got extremely angry. And I didn't say anything to her. Uh, I said, okay, well, I'll see you then. And when I hung up the phone, I knew right then and there that, that we want to separate, right? So um, after, it's in December, early December. Now it's been like almost seven months, right? Um I just picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, what's the, what's your plan? Like, what's going on? And she was like, you know, I've been thinking about it. I absolutely love my job. I love everything's going on up here. Uh, the boys got more family up here. And you have your MBA. You have HR background. You got manufacturing background. You can find your job up here quick. And I think you should move up here. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not leaving one broken home to go to another broken home. Um and I was like, that's not the plan. And she stated, uh, well, sometimes things don't go as planned. And I responded, you're right. We need to separate. Right. So that's how. <laughs> <laughs> that was a jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you have to understand our relationship beforehand, right? Like, this okay. is, it, was, it was always me catering to her. Right. Okay. At, at twenty, at, at twenty-five, catering. At twenty-six, catering. At twenty-seven, catering. At twenty-eight, catering. <laughs> no matter what my feelings were, at twenty-nine, catering. And when I turned thirty, oh, when I turned thirty, at thirty does something to people all over the world. But when I turned thirty, it was like, what is my happiness? Right? Are you gonna meet me halfway? Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I didn't feel that way. Right. So what I told you to put a pin at that conversation of my boys always running to the door when I pulled up. God was putting me through a transition. During the time that she was in Maryland, because mm-hmm. I would be home and it'd be dark. Again, no Teletubbies, no Paw Patrol, no nothing going on. It's just me coming into a dark house, even though I was still married. My kids was 500 some odd miles away. So God allowed that time for me to be able to deal with that, right? And in the back of my mind, inform me that as long as you're an active father, your kids will never forget about you. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm thinking about, man, what's going to happen if I'm not with my kids anymore? Will they remember me? Will they know that I love them if me and their mother's not together? 
And what God did was he made all of that possible for me to realize that it doesn't matter as long as you stay active in your kid's life. Your, your boys will always run to the door when you pull up. You ain't seen them in two weeks. And so when you back in, who's the first person at the door? Your kids. So, uh, and I knew that I would never have enough courage uh, if she was still staying in Charlotte, even in our relationship wasn't doing well. I wouldn't had enough courage to pack my bags up and walk past two rooms where my boys are playing in and leave. That wasn't going to happen. Right. And, God, okay. and God, knew, God knew that wasn't going to happen. So when I moved out, I moved out of a home that nobody was currently in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to walk past and seeing my sons look like, where are you going, daddy, type thing, right? And I take a back at, look at it now, and I just thank God about it because that's exactly who it was to help me grow to get out of that scenario and to understand myself better. Um, and uh, I think it was a blessing for her and I uh, when that happened. So, you know, that's what we took it on there. But the, the moral of it is my boys. My boys. Like, mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, hey, I, you know, I grew up without my real father. You know, the football games, the, I'm missing a tooth. Or, you know, I got in a fight outside. You know what I mean? Like, I had to go back home and talk to my mother about it, right? And then it was like, man, where's that father figure at? And I was so afraid that I wasn't going to be that father figure because of my real father wasn't there. And I had to realize something that I'm not my father. Yes. Right. That I'm not my father. And a lot of single fathers have one or two type mindsets. Right. One is I got to be there for my kid because I mean, well, I'll say this. A lot of black fathers have this mindset. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. just due to our nature of things. I have a lot of friends and I, all my friends, I think one grew up with a mother and father inside the house. I mean, I'm talking about a lot of friends I have. And it's the saddest thing ever to have a whole group of friends and out of the whole group of friends, one grew up with a mother and father inside the house. Majority grew up with this mother, right? But all of my friends in my inner circle are fantastic fathers, right? Because the thing is, I feel like we overcompensate for the things that we always wanted uh, and and that we always wish that we had. And so now when we have our boys, we just, hey, you want this? Yeah, let's get this. Like, you want that? Yeah, let's get this. Which is a bitter, which is a bad thing uh, I'm learning right now. But... you know, we're, we're super great fathers, but it's also the other side of that spectrum. And it's a spectrum that uh, a lot of black men have when it comes to the stigma of, of you know, we're, we're not at the fathers. We're not there. We would make the babies, but it's mama's baby, right? We can stay five minutes up the road, 10 minutes up the road and never see him, right? And a lot of times their fathers didn't have fathers. My father didn't have his father, but he's a highly successful man. Right. So -hmm. it's kind of easy for men to be like, hey, I didn't have my father. You know, he know I love him. Right. But hey, I didn't have Mm -hmm. my father. I'm successful. You got to You got to do it, too. You know, that's what being a man is all about. Right. 
And some people have that mindset. So you either go one way or the other. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people chose that other and kind of forgot about the feel of not having that male there. And, um, and so we have one of those two, right? And then it's the third one. I know y'all don't want to hear this, ladies. I know y'all don't want to hear this. But sometimes a woman can make it super hard on that man with his kids. Mm-hmm. And I say that this is with my instances. Like I said, I'm super blessed, right? Uh, when we separated, I knew that the kids needed money. So um, I made sure each and every month that I sent monies uh, to her for the boys, right? And I was like, if anything ever pops up, I want you to give me a phone call so I can feel like I'm super active inside of their life, right? I know I'm distant, but they need to go to the doctor and you need a copay. At least I know what they went to the doctor for. So I pay the copay, right? Yeah. Or are they going to basketball camp? At least I know that they're going to basketball camp so I can figure out some time I need to be off, right? And I pay that camp fee, right? So never had a problem. Never had a phone call saying, hey, I need this. And I say, I don't got it, right? It was never a time in which I didn't send a good amount of monies uh, up there each and every month to make sure that everything was taken care of. Um, but something happened one day when I got off work and I was getting ready to head out of town and, uh, I got a knock on the door and this guy, he had an Omega hat on, never forget his face, an older black gentleman. And, uh, he said, you're tearing stubs. I'm like, yes, sir. He said, you just been served. And I'm like, damn, what I do? I run a traffic light or something. Did I hit somebody or something? Right. <laughs> right. So I ain't never been served. I'm a good guy. Like, you know, I'm a community leader. What, what is this? Right. I open it up and child support papers. So I'm like, what? So I immediately gave her a call. And uh, when I gave her a call out of frustration, I said, hey, what? why am I reading child support papers, right? Uh, her response was, oh, man, they got there quickly. Oh, yeah, they do move fast. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was like, okay. Uh, you know, because... Everybody knows, like everybody knows, and, and really deep in, deep down inside, I think she knew, right, that I was super active, um, and I was super there for my kids. And men like myself don't need to be in the system. Like it, mm-hmm. you you have it, right? It's I'm talking about. She can't go to any uh, beauty salon. Uh, nail station, wherever uh, good women talk about how dirty those guys are. She don't have a related story. Right. To talk right. About. right. And, you know, and as being a co-parent, right, we have to remember those things. Mm-hmm. Right. I, one of the guys in the barbershop told me, man, especially earlier during the separation and uh, the boys are 500 some odd miles away from me. Mind you, I never miss a first day at school. Uh, I'm always there on birthdays. Um, uh, since he lost his first tooth, I was there to put some money in, in, in the tooth fairy. Um, anything that's big about the first, I'm, I'm there at football games. I'm there as much as I can be, right? Mm-hmm. It's 500 some odd miles. It's a six-hour trip, right? One of the older guys in the barbershop said he he went through the same thing that I went through. And he didn't even know I was going through it. He was just randomly talking. 
And I think he was talking to somebody else. He said, one of the worst things I ever did that I kind of wish somebody would have told me when we was going through whatever and I was going to see my kids was, it's okay not to make everything. Your kids know that they still love you. Mm-hmm. Right? I miss a football game. Ah, you know, I beat myself up more than my kids do Been there. if I miss it. And, and, and why is that? Why is that? It's because of my own personal traumas. Right. I remember playing football and not seeing my dad up there, right? I remember, you know, you know, doing small things and, and your real father's not there to, to, you know, pat you on your back or tell you to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And this, those thoughts and those memories is what put extra pressure on me. Has nothing to do with the boys. The boys know right. I love them. The boys know I stay six hours away. And if I could be there, I'd be right there playing along with them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the things that I had to understand and probably one of the biggest blessings that I have, have gathered from another older gentleman who went through the same experiences I've gone through and didn't even know that I was going through it was you're not going to make everything. And the quicker that you understand that and accept that, the better that you will be. I, for example, I missed my son Knight's birthday. For nine years since my son been in this world, I have yet missed a birthday no matter where in the world he is, right? Mm-hmm. I missed the night. And it was uh, just a couple couple weeks ago at the first beginning of January. Why did I miss it? Well, when I got off work, there was an ice storm that hit Virginia. The roads are icy all the way through Maryland, right? His birthday is the next day. What do I do? 500 smile miles away. It's killing me because it's like, right. no, when my son wakes up, he needs to see his father there because this is his birthday and I ain't missed a birthday and I'm father of the year. And what I look like with my kid turning nine and I'm not there. <laughs> what kind of father am I, right? Who am I? I'm a terrible father if my son wakes up and don't see me for his ninth birthday because he's not <laughs> going to understand he's only nine, right? Yeah. On the flip side is, am I really that crazy to get on that road in an ice <laughs> yeah. storm to travel to see my boy and risk my life in which he probably will never see me again ever, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I want to say happy birthday to him because I remember the feel that I had when my father didn't say it. Right. And so I'm not going to say that that didn't get me down the next day. Matter of fact, I took off work the next day uh, because I was really not in a good mood. And um, I had to get over it. And how I got over it was talking to my mom. It's like, yeah, I missed Sincere's birthday. She said, yeah, I know you did. I said, yeah, ice rain up there. She said, yeah, I know. She said, I was going to tell you, you better not get on that road. I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, look, you're my son too, right? And, you know, you think about life in general when you mm-hmm. think about all the connections that you have and and what if something does happen to you? Are you making the right decisions? Mm-hmm. And sometimes making the right decisions are hard. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Whole Lotta Jewelry by Latasha Ingram. That's right, your favorite independent consultant for paparazzi accessories. You can shop online for affordable jewelry that is nickel-free, lead-free, and suitable for children, men, and women. You will find many colors, styles, and also new arrivals each weekday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Visit these websites now to get your shopping done before the next holiday, birthday, anniversary, or any other special occasion. That's wholeloutofjewelry.myshopify.com or visit wholeloutofjewelry.com daily for new releases and to become a part of my team. Once you get to the website, click join my team, choose your kit, and start selling immediately. It's just that easy. Again, that's wholeloutofjewelry, H-E-A-U-X-L-O-T-T-A-J-E-W-E-L-R-Y by Latasha Ingram. What are some myths about being a single father that you want um, to clear up? That we're part-time fathers. We're, we're there when we want to be there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We're there when we want to be there. Like It, it kind of feels like um, since Black fathers have such a bad stigma, you know, they just kind of feel like we can just float and just do what we want to do, right? Like as a, hey, I want to turn it on today, right? I don't turn right. it on today. Let me call mm-hmm. my boys. Let me let me take them go get some pizza and then don't talk to them in two weeks, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the stigma that a lot of uh, black fathers get, and it's not true, um, uh, especially for a lot of us with technology nowadays. I FaceTime my boys every day. Uh, we read, we talk. I watch them play video games. Uh, let them tell me about school, all that. And we do that for as long as they allow me to talk to them because they're young. And half the time I'm looking at a ceiling fan or I'm looking <laughs> under Noah's nose the whole time or whatever. But uh, as, as much as possible, we're communicating. That's one. Uh, two is it's a gift and a curse, right? Um, when me and my boys post, I'm an African of of single black fathers i'm african of it so when i post a picture oh man it's like tons of comments oh my god it's so beautiful oh my god look at this right it's it's not a norm and i wish it was Mm -hmm. and i really feel like you know i think it's more black fathers out here that's really trying to connect with their their kids than the opposite end and um you know, uh, it's it's a bad stigma. Uh, everywhere I go, with them with me, we walking around. It's all kind of great looks. It's all kind of oh my god, like I just love to see this. Oh my god, I, I love this, right? And it's like uh, me and my boys are just going to watch a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And but it's just such a stigma that black men are not there for their children. That. You know, a lot of times I'm I'm getting praise for my responsibility, right? And I play around with it because it's a lot of voices and I feel like we need to be seen that we are out here and it shouldn't be uh, a figment of imagination and it shouldn't be, you know, oh my God, this is a blue unicorn type thing. It shouldn't be like that. Um, and so that's why I'm such a big African and letting people see it and letting people know that, look, you can be a strong father too. So, uh, this, those two sigmas. Okay. Yeah. Now, earlier you were saying that 
and your whole crew, your whole group of guys, only one of your friends had a two-parent household, right? Yeah. But the rest yeah. of y'all are in your children's lives. Yeah. Have you ever um, found yourself in a in a friendship or a a, a part? You know, had a, have you ever hang hang hung with a guy who was not doing what he was supposed to do as a father, and you had to say something? You know, like, honestly, how are you so uh, lucky to not have a group like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can honestly say I'm I'm real blunt, right? And I'm country too. So uh, if I'm out and about hanging out with some guys, you know, we 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 think about protecting each other, right? Something happens, do we have each other back, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I kind of hang out with friends. Like if something happens, can I depend on this guy to have my back, right? And that's how a lot of men think. And in my mindset is, if you can't take care of your kids or be there for your kids, what makes you feel like, what makes me feel like you'll be there for me? Mm-hmm. So I really don't hang out with people who don't okay. take care of their kids. But I will say this, I will be the first to talk about it. Matter of fact, even though we are good fathers in my round circle, we're good fathers to our kids. We often have conversations about how to become better right? We often have conversations about what we can do to make our kids' life better. And that's boys and girls. Like, I got homeboys who got girls. Like, what we got to do to make it better? Ballerina classes or, hey, we doing date nights. And, and a lot of them are not with their mother of their child, right? Um, and so we're always challenging each other to do better. Like, when that's I go up the road and go see my boys, I get text messages from them saying, Hey man, you be safe on the road. Tell them you I say what's up, right? And and you know, and the same thing. So it's kind of like an encouraging community that we have to do it. And we will be the first to be like, yo, like what's up? Like what's going on? Right? Okay. Like I ain't seen you with a baby girl in a while. What's good? You all right? Right? Because at the end of the day, as, as friends, if you really are a true friend to someone, and you realize some gaps that they are having, you have to communicate that. Um, and hopefully that they open enough to tell you the truth about what's really going on, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and kind of be there and kind of hope you can mentor them to some succession. Okay. Yeah. Good, because that's one thing I see on um, social media a lot. How y'all be friends with men who don't take care of their kids? Birds of a feather yeah. flock together. And I always wonder, like, are they not having the conversation with each other? Like, they just mm-hmm. overlooking it or... But well, I'm glad you straightened yeah, that out. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on what kind of uh, type of type of man you are, type of friendship that you have. But let me tell you something. Me and my circle, we, we'll let you know. Like we will let you know. Matter of fact, we're very vocal about people that that come in that don't take care of their kids. Like, mm-hmm. no, we don't really rock with that at all. So we're vocal, and and the thing is, I think it's important that. If you do have a friend like that, I think it's important that you bring other guys around or other women around um, that talk about parenting because we encourage one another, right? And it's one of those things in which, you know, you see, I, I see your son out there on that football field. He's doing this thing. I saw you doing some drills with him. Next week, 
me and my boys, we doing drills outside too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like you, you, you're like, hey, you know, and if that's what it takes, um, in our in our black community to do what we gotta do to lead by example, and some people, you know, lead in that, then that's what it takes. We gotta make sure we do it right. Okay. Sure. Um, personal question, you can avoid it, but it's gonna lead into yeah. another question. Are you yeah, dating sure. right now? You know what? I'm not dating. I'm not dating right now. Um, well, I guess so. Right. So there's talking, there's dating and there's relationship. Right. Right. Talking. You're talking to multiple people. Right. Just talking. Dating is you're talking to people. But maybe can lead to a relationship. Right. But multiple mm-hmm. people. Right. And in a relationship, you in one single relationship with that person. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. It, would you would you say that? Yeah. I had a whole two-hour episode saying that that was wrong. It was like a third or fourth spot in there. So dating, yes. Not just one particular person, but dating, yes. But I'm backing away from that more, more right now. Why? Um, back to you got to kind of know yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. I have been in relationships, uh, and it's not bringing my old relationships into my new ones is bringing the new tailoring into new situations mm-hmm. right who are you like what do you represent what do you stand for uh what would you tolerate what were the things that you would not tolerate like are you are you gonna be a motivating to somebody or are you gonna be a down to somebody right and i kind of feel like since we all love love and we all want to be careful. We all want to be rubbed and we all want to be touched. Right. I feel like sometimes we kind of rush into things sometimes knowing, knowing good and well that you're not your best self. And if you're planning to get in a relationship with someone, especially in our age, right. Mm-hmm. I want that person to come with their best self and I come with my best self and right. whether it works or not, we know that that's who we are, right? And I don't want to give someone a false inclusion about what I could be, and then they end up loving that, and I'll be someone else. Right. So I think, you know, I think it's just as important to kind of grow upon yourself strongly before you get out there in that very serious dating relationship game, because I'm, I'll be 35 in April, you know, Ain't like what them old folks say. Ain't hit it the, the play dream of drift. Like <laughs> if I'm here, let's let's make it happen and let's 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 both come forward um, because time is only continuing on. You know, I have been been truly blessed of the the women that I have talked to and, and dated that they're all in on it, right? And that's a blessing. Right. But there are some women who say, hey, he has two kids. He was he was married. I, I ain't going to touch it with a stick. That's fine. I'm, you don't got to get these blessings. Right. right. I come with a package deal. I come with a true package deal. You're going to get three strong men um, that, that comes with it. And. Right now. Since they came in this earth. It's been about what can I do to greater protect them? I mm-hmm. think, you know, it, it's a it's a tough, tough thing, man. It's a tough, tough thing between 
making sure that they get everything that they need and what we feel that they need and being selfish. Right. It's a tough yeah. line between that because a lot of people say I was being selfish when the divorce came because I wasn't happy. Oh, you've been selfish. You weren't thinking about the kids because you know, the kids will love a two parent household. You're a male. You know how it is to grow up with not a man in there and not mm-hmm. hearing the voice of a man every day. You was being selfish and you should have known better before you even start having those kids. So therefore you should have stuck it in and you should have shut your mouth and you should have went to sleep at nine o'clock and then just start all over again. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I, I see that. Right. You. So when you, when you ask that question, like, Hey, do, do I, do I feel bad that my kids don't have a two parent house? Yes. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching the Cosby's and family matters and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, you know, with me watching that with my single parent mother, right? And seeing, you know, Uncle Phil or, you know, Carl Winslow, you know, giving all these life segments and lessons at the end of the show, talking about, hey, son, come here, sit down. This is what we don't do, right? And I'm like, man, I can't wait to have that when I get married and have a family because I'm going to teach my kids a lesson every day. Yeah. And we going to go to sleep, and then it's going to be a theme song that plays in the background, <laughs> and that's what it's going to be. And unfortunately, that was the life that that they showed Black people because we really didn't have it. And so we always dreamed that it was going to be a lesson learned at the end of the day, and I'm going to love Harriet and, you know, and, and all these characters, and I'm going to love them unconditionally, and we're never going to argue, and uh, out of all the episodes of Family Matters, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Cosby Show, uh, those type things there, it's probably only five episodes of where the husband and the wife are arguing about something. And then they make up about it at the end of the show. By the right? end of the show, yeah. They make up about it. So it ain't that bad, right? But in real life, I can come home and I don't want to see you. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me. And it can yeah. be, this is one of those shows that's to be continued, right? <laughs> to, to keep going, right? And they don't show that. And unfortunately, I didn't grow up in a household to see that. And so I just created an image in my head of what I think it should be like. And uh, sometimes I do feel guilty that my kids won't see the real reality of a mother and a father inside the household, right? Um, But speaking of that, right? This is, I'm a very mature man, right? Mm -hmm. If my ex-wife is is dating and bringing guys in, that's cool because I trust her, (laughs) right? I trust her enough and she loves her kids enough to not bring anyone in there sloppy. Right. Um, and I'm one of those guys as a father to be like, hey, what's going on, man? You doing all right? Good. See my boys? Yeah. Love them to death. And I know you don't do right by them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That, that's the conversation. Right. right. Whatever that y'all got to do, whatever discipline that you got to do. Hey, he's grounded because I told him to take out the trash and take it out. And he gave me some bat talk stubs. Hey, I had it grounded for a week. All right. Do what you got to do. That's your house. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right, do what you got to do, right? Make sure it's reasonable. 
and that's where the that's where the hard part comes in, right? Is it reasonable to me? And it's kind of beat up, right? Because I'm like, oh nah, man, you you went a little bit too far on that big dog. On my boys, you went a little bit too far. You a weak grounded? Yeah, you went a little bit too far. I told me you play the game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think we have to always put the kids as priority. That's true. We always got to put the kids and their feelings as priority. Whatever feelings that we had, we had. And there's a reason why we don't have them no more, right? Mm -hmm. And as long as we don't do anything to blankly disrespect one another, our main concern is the kids. Mm -hmm. You were saying uh, about the TV shows, they had an argument, but it was resolved by the end of the episode, right? Right. Right, right. In real life, that doesn't really happen. No. So um, one thing I grew up not knowing how to do is resolve issues in my relationships. Yeah. So if we got into an argument, to me, that translated to we not together no more. Right. And yeah. I remember in college, um, me and my boyfriend got into an argument. And I, in my mind, I was like, shoot, we ain't together no more. Didn't talk to him for a week. And then he was like, so when you when was you going to call me? I'm like, we ain't together. Right. He was like, when we break up? I'm like, right, remember right. you said such and such, right? And yeah, it's yeah. funny that the the shows, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, Family Matters, all those things, they did make the family look like a good thing. But it, it, it was it was a part of reality that they left out, which yeah, was yeah. y'all ain't gonna always resolve it by the At, end of the day. By the by the end of the show, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that we needed to learn. That I don't feel like a lot of households ha- there. There is a lot of. Okay, so you see on social media when people be like, this is how black parents apologize. Are you hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That is too true and too sad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why weren't we getting apologies when we were kids? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what we, I'm saying? We, we, we laugh about it after we read it because it's 100% true, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, tell you, I tell you one of, one of my um, conclusions, right? Um, so my ex-wife, her father wasn't inside the house. Right. Um, my my mother father wasn't inside the house. Right. So when men argue, for example, her and I would get in an argument, right? Well, she would get in an argument, right? We're upset with each other, right? Mm-hmm. She's going a thousand miles per hour, right? I'm not saying anything, which is getting her more angry, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything, right? Yeah. Which she's getting me more angry because she <laughs> keeps talking to me, right? Right? So now we got a, a dilemma. The dilemma is how men interpret things and how women interpret things and how we describe ourselves, right? She grew up in a house full of women. And what women do? Well, some women, right? Thank you. I don't want to put it all in, in one category. What do some women do? They will go back and forth over a hairdryer for three hours. Right here. For three hours, right? Just want to get the last word in. Just want to hear yeah. this. This right for three hours, right? What do men do? You take my game? Oh man, like we either physically like fight. Or we just don't say anything to each other at all. Okay. Like, don't say nothing to me. 
right, bro? Next word you say out of me, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to swing off of you. This don't say nothing to me. Let me be, bro, right? That's mostly meant. So if you didn't grow up in the household and see your father get upset and he goes to this chair and he's just quiet, right? And he don't want anyone to interrupt him. He's just in his chair. Give him some time to think about what's going on, what happened, how can he make the situation better? He's just quiet. Let him be quiet because that's what a lot of men do, right? Mm-hmm. So if you didn't grow up in that situation and to see how that man handles situations when things are going bad, the only thing that you know of is. Yeah. So when we got in arguments, she do this and I just right here and never could really understand like why, like why, like, ah, give it back, give it back, like give it back. But I can't give it back because a lot of men are not made to go back and forth with anybody. If me and my partner or me and some random guy got some beef, we're not going to talk to each other. Don't say not one word to me. I'm not going to sit there on the phone and talk about you all day. Women, some women don't understand that Mm -hmm. because we go back to your upbringing. We go back to what you've seen as a child. And Believe it or not, we're just we're just second tier of how our childhood raised us right now, right? And a lot of times, a lot of arguments are made and a lot of gaps are made because there was no examples, real examples inside of the household, right? With a mother and father in there together to be able to demonstrate it. A lot of men don't know how to treat women mm-hmm. because they never saw a man treat them. Right. My mother would be the first to tell you she raised me to be the man that she always wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the same. I'm right. Which, I'm doing which, the same so, thing. And I don't so know if that's hurt in the hell. Let me tell you, all, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Right. Because my mom didn't raise a sorry uh, man. I know how to cook clean. I know how to be compassionate. I know how to listen. I know how to communicate and I express my feelings. Right. But. You're grooming me to be the man that you want me to be, not the man that I may aspire to be or get ready to be, right? And sooner or later, the man that you have grown to be yours and it's picture perfect, it's custom made, it's now getting ready to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So all the work and energy and all that, that, that molding that you done did, right, may get ready to go to somebody else, right? And if that somebody else gets you mad one time, then they're no longer worthy for your creation. Right. And life doesn't work like that. (laughs) You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So you have to be extremely careful. And like I said before, as parents, we got to make sure that we are putting our kids in the best situation that we most possibly can. And you know, and every action that we do is a cause and effect, right? I don't know what type of effect it's going to be on my boys and I'm so far away right now. I don't know. You know, I pray that, you know, it's not something that, you know, sooner or later that they kind of feel like, yo, like, why my dad's so far away? Like, like what's going on? I pray that won't happen. And I overcompensate 
to, to prove and hope that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I think as parents, we don't know. There's no, there's yeah. no guideline. There's no book. There's no saying, hey, you do this right here. You get an outstanding citizen. You get the next Obama in the shell. It's not, it's no book like that. You just have to go on what you feel is love. And I think as long as we continue to do that, you know, we take a look at our our kids' faces as they get older and they become an adult. Uh, And then them telling us, hey, dad, you did a great job for me. You did a good job. Like, I Mm -hmm. appreciate it. I think that's the overall goal. As long as you making sure that you're doing right by your kids, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you show them love and you show them everything that you kind of felt that you wasn't shown for them to make it farther than what you did, then go do it. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, that's just, that's just where I'm at. And that's just the love that I have for my boys. It's just so, it's just so, it's just so amazing uh, when it comes to Sincere Noah and the amount of love that I have for what is something that you would like to see mothers do more of? And what is something that you would like to see mothers do less of? Like, for instance, stop going on social media telling your problems. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I would like to see mothers do more of, uh, of uh, talking to their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mothers are mothers are nurturing that nurture sometimes they will nurture even though they know something's wrong with you and sometimes they know that if I ask you what's wrong with you that you don't get in the dark space so I don't ask you right I think I think mothers have to get to a point where they have those hard conversations with their kids are you talking about the mothers who who never see anything wrong with what their children are doing? That kind of nurturing? That's one. Or mothers who know that their kids are going through different things and don't express it. So they just try to overcompensate with nurturing. Okay. Uh, I see it a lot with young men when we go mentor in high schools. Um, the, the boys are going through a lot of different things emotionally. Right. And since a lot of times mothers, they, they feel like they can't relate. They know how to do one thing. And that's to make sure that that nest is warm and tight and come okay. here. Right. Um, I would love for mothers to sit down with the young boys and be like, hey, what, what's going on with you? You upset? You upset? Why? The boys keep picking on you at school. Is that what it is? You know, that, that, that conversation there, because sometimes. Um, that hugging and nurturing only gets you so far, right? And um, so that's one. Uh, things that I would like mothers to stop doing if they're doing it is that talk negative about their father okay. in front of their kids. Now, one thing for sure, two things for certain, my mother never, ever talked one negative thing about my father, which made me and my father relationship today a hell of a lot better. He's like one of my closest best friends. Like he is one of my best friends and it's a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think if my mother would have added to what I kind of felt, right? 
that it would be a big fire and I don't think I would be able to blow it out. Yeah. But since I understand life now, right? And me 16 now, me 30 something, I realize that situations happen <laughs> and things are not always cookie cutter. And yeah. then now we're tight, right? And we're able to talk and, and we're able to have a wonderful relationship. You know, if having my mother talk negative about him for years and years at a time, I don't think we'll be that far. Okay. And, um, you know, and if there is some negative tones and comments that mothers need to make, um, I pray that they make them in silence or they make them way away from their kids because it's already a tough thing for the young adults to be growing up without that, that person there. And you making it 10 times tough, uh, talking down to your negative about them around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, <clears throat> let's go back to this nurturing thing, right? <laughs> let's do that. Let's do um, that. Let me, okay. So you know how you were saying you overcompensate for your kids, whatever. Uh-huh. Do you ever feel like, um, I know this is how I feel. I feel like um, so, some of the, some of the, because it seems like whenever women are doing that whole nurturing, oh, my baby is, my baby is perfect. He wouldn't do this. I feel like it's usually a mother who has more than one kid and this particular child is the baby. Yeah, or yeah. I feel like it's, um, it's more of a, uh, I, I have to protect you so you don't leave me like your father did. Do you right. think that has any correlation with it? Right. Like, Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> especially if the father's not there, the mother is all, the mother and the child is all they know. Mm-hmm. They know each other, right? That's it, right? And sometimes what I have seen is they overcompensate of we're all we got. Okay. Right? Now, being all we got is a beautiful thing, but being real, and being honest and protecting you in more ways than this holding you and comforting you mm-hmm. is a big key thing. Um, I see young kids, young boys get in trouble all day, cuss somebody out, do this and do that. Mother comes to the schoolhouse and be like, no, nah, that ain't my son. Right. And come here, boy. I got you. Mama got you. Right. For young men, that's probably the worst thing that can ever happen. Probably the worst thing that can ever happen because now you're taking the consequences out and he's only looks to you for consequences. Right. He, he only looks to you for discipline. Can't nobody else discipline. Like, if, if the mother's not upset, who cares if my coach is upset? Who cares mm. if my teacher is upset? Right. This is my mother. She ain't even upset. She good. She want to come in. She getting ready to make my favorite meal when I get home. Right. So y'all can go ahead and kick rocks. I don't care if I did it or not. My mama good. Right. And to that young boy, the only person in this world that never turned his back on him is his mother. So at the end of the day, I don't care what nobody feels. As long as my mother good, we're good. But sometimes mothers have to have that strong conversation that strong feel and be like, hey, you did wrong. And you don't get punished for it. You don't get disciplined for it. 
what is it that makes you feel this way? Because if a, if a, nobody in the world is going to be able to get to, especially young men, right? Because mothers, that's your first love, right? You're my first love. You, you, that's my baby right there. My mother, I'm 34 years old. My mother is still my baby, right? Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. She's still my baby, right? Because she birthed me. She raised me. She disciplined me. She changed my diaper when I couldn't do it. She fed me when I couldn't even have no money to feed myself. She has unconditional amount of love for me. And with that said, and with that said, I'm going to listen to what she has to say. Mm-hmm. I may not take it in all the way that I need all to. All the way, yeah. But I hear it. And other people may not even get that close. So the the power that mothers have, even with their daughters, the power that mothers have is so strong. And I feel like a lot of times that nurturing spirit hinders uh, the growth of uh, the kids. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have one more question and then we can close it out unless you have anything else you want to add. Are you, are you talking to your boys about girls and what are you, what are you preparing them for? Yeah. So yeah, uh, that is Stubbs boys. So yeah, um, they, they're going to be some good level boys, but here's the situation, right? Without that two-parent household, you have a lot of single mothers that work two or three jobs, that put food on the table, that are strong, that go to sleep, wake up, go to work, come off of work, cook something on the stove, go back to sleep, wake back up just to go to work again. And you either got a, in this case, you got a a daughter that the father's not there in the home and she's sitting there and she's watching her mother be strong and independent. Not only that, but if that mother went through some trials and tribulations and she's not afraid to voice it, she will talk about how you got to make sure you do for yourself because ain't nobody else going to do it for you. You better mm-hmm. know how to do it. Don't you wait on no man for nothing because uh, it ain't no telling they can turn their back on you in a minute. And where you want to be at, right? And as that daughter, she's listening to every word about that. As for my sons and as for men, strong men are providers. We're raised to protect, right? You see that mm-hmm. young lady? You protect her. You make sure she's good. You make sure that you love and you care for her. You make sure that you provide what's going on in the household, right? You make sure you provide. You make sure you take care, right? So your whole life and upbringing Provide, take care, be the strong man, be the overseer. Over here, don't let no man tell you what to do. Go get your own money, mm-hmm. be independent, be strong, right? And now you want us to come together, but we're bumping heads. We're bumping heads because my father and my mother always told me to be the provider. My mother always told me to not depend on nobody. And depend on myself. And we talk about that in kids, but we're talking about that in every situation. I think, honestly, that's why we're in so big of a trouble when it comes to relationship and our era. 
mm-hmm. in our era, just due to the fact that mothers and fathers were not in the same household during the era before us. And they showed us how to be, you know, independent. And they showed a lot of strong women how to be independent. And you women have been making marks. It's been unbelievable. I'm talking about starting your own businesses. I'm talking about Fortune 500 companies. I'm talking about education-wise. I'm talking about knocking down barriers. You guys have been leaders of all the Black movements that we ever had in this 21st century. You women are rocking, right? Us men, we still have that. Let's provide. Let's protect, right? When we get in that relationship, how are we going to bend? You know, one of the one yeah. of the best things. One of the best things I heard uh, when we had this conversation up here in Charlotte was that uh, this uh, uh, this woman said, "You know, uh, he thinks he 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 think he wins, right?" And it was like magical that she said that because like a lot of women went there, uh-uh, uh-uh. and she was like, no, he think he wins, which means I already know the angles to go with him to make sure that he picks what I want him to pick, but I still make him feel as if he made the decision. So <laughs> he strokes his ego and I get what I want and we both move forward. And it was such a beautiful thing because that's exactly what's going on. Uh, my ex-wife raised without uh, a father in the home. Her mother worked hard. And her mother said numerous of times, don't you lie to a man to whatever, whatever. I was raised to provide and be the man that my mother always wanted to be. So when I found that, that lady that I was going to be a provider and do all this stuff for. And so we bumped heads a lot because it was things that was naturally for me that I supposed to do that I couldn't do that she didn't allow. Right. And so it was like, man, like we fighting, we fighting a battle before we even got to the arena. And I think that's what's happening in this generation. And um, when it comes to co-parenting, I think, you know, all that separate stuff aside that, both of the parents really have to be true and honest with one another and understand that that child's upbringing is one of the best things that they have to work together with. And whether they're in that same household or not, the responsibility is for that kid to be the best thing that they can possibly be. And sometimes you have to swallow the bullet. Sometimes you get the short end of the stick on that shit. You know, sometimes you do, right? you still bite the bullet, right? And it's a hard thing to tell people to bite a bullet, you know, but that's when maturity comes in and that's when really understanding the focus of the kid is better than anything else. Right. Yeah. But you women are absolutely strong. Y'all continue to push bears and do the things y'all need to do. Uh, Let some of these men catch up and get stronger. Uh, because we do have a, a weak era of, of men, if you ask me. Um, and uh, the only way that they don't get stronger is by uh, queens. Uh, if you think about anything that ever happened in the world, queens are the reason for it, right? Um, men go out here and create all these businesses to talk to women, right? Men do 
build these empires and things, but the queens run it. Everything around this world evolves around queens. And if we're going to have strong men, queens need to hold them to that standard because men are sometimes don't get away with they are able to get away with. Yeah. But uh, queens are able to justify all of that. And, um, you know, again, I have my personal opinion about how queens are and, and kings are going right now in this era. Um, but I really feel uh, when it comes to this whole planet, uh, especially our black people getting to one accord, it's going to be led by women by far. And so uh, I look forward to continue watching the le le legacy of you uh, in this show. Um, and I look forward to seeing all the inspiration of women that you aspire uh, by having this show. Okay. And I really do appreciate you for having me. Thank you so very much for being my very special guest today. Um, and, I and I appreciate it. you. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the insight. You gave me everything yeah. that I invited you here oh. to give. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Like, like I said, you were answering questions before I even got to them. So Bless. I appreciate that. I appreciate Bless. you as a man. I Thank appreciate you. you as a father. I appreciate you as a husband. I appreciate Bless. you. Never knew you were married. Or maybe I forgot. <laughs> but to invite you on here just to talk about fatherhood and you're talking about yeah that is what I had said when I sent you the message like right, right. it's a lot of stuff I, I want to know about that I don't know about and the fact that yeah. I got you for more than one area of of adulthood yeah, yeah. I mean does it get any better than that right uh -huh. um, so is there anything else that you would like to say to close out the show uh if if you're um a mother out there, you having troubles with the father of your child, right? Um, one of the hardest things that you guys may have to do or you may have to do is just kind of swallow it a little bit, swallow a little bit of that pride. And I know it could be hard. I know the relationship might have been effed up. I know that he probably did you wrong, probably slept with a girl that lives next door and whatever, right? But at the end of the day, um, figure out what y'all have to do to kind of make it work. Mm -hmm. um, and that's easier said than done. And it takes two people to uh, be able to make that happen. But as long as you can go to sleep at night saying that I did, honestly, without any selfish act, did everything that I most possibly can to make sure that my son or my daughter gained a relationship with their father, then you did your part without any strings attached, without any, Hey, you do this. I do that without any, uh, let me see how far he's going to go with this. But that genuinely without a shadow of a doubt, that heartfelt, that humbling, that swallow your pride, put the pride to the side. Have I done everything that I most possibly can to make sure that my child has a healthy relationship with their father. Mm -hmm. And if you can go to bed and say that, then you're doing the right thing. But if you can't say that, drink you some water, look yourself in the mirror, wash your hands and figure out a way to connect that because that child needs it more than you can probably ever imagine. Okay. All right. All Thank right. you so very much for that. Thank you for being Happy on Girlfriend. Let me tell you the podcast. Oh, yeah. um, 
hopefully I can have you on in the future or we can do some projects together. Hey, let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. Something. I promise it'd be great. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank All right. you. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Girlfriend, let me tell you. Oh my goodness, girlfriend. <laughs>